you don't just solve the problem like sex doesn't hurt anymore great but that carries out into her marriage that carries out into how she feels um, as a mother as she feels as a person she walked differently she talked differently and and I was sold I was hooked I was like this is women's ministry and I am all about it welcome to the in-between mama podcast a place to rest in between who you are and who you're being called to be Today, I have a beautiful guest, Dr. Laura Gordy, and she is a um, doctor of physical therapy. Yeah. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that's right. I always mess these things up. So, <laughs> um, And your no specialty judgment. is pelvic floor. Correct. Specialist. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So there's a whole... Anyway, yes, I do pelvic floor, women's health. That's a great way to narrow it down. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. So I would love if you tell me a little bit about your practice. You own a practice here, and it is you own it, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. I would love for you to tell me a little bit about that. Sure, sure, yeah. So our practice is called Plus One. Um, currently, or I don't know when this is going to be released, it's called Plus One Physical Therapy, but we're actually about to change the name okay. um, because I am a physical therapist, but uh, it's not just physical therapists that do this. Also, another one on our team is an occupational therapist. So okay. that's why we are changing the name. Plus one pelvic health. Um, oh, I love that. And so, yeah. So my training is in physical therapy. Okay. But we specialize, like you said, in pelvic health, in women's health specifically okay. is what we work with. Um, I men need pelvic health too, which I imagine we'll talk about at some point. Yeah. But we specifically work with women. So what that looks like uh, in pelvic health is like your normal things you think of with pelvic health. You're peeing on yourself Mm -hmm. or you're about to have a baby or you just had a baby. But it also looks like sexual dysfunction Mm -hmm. or um, prolapse or back pain or wanting to get really strong or um, you know you have lightning crotch in pregnancy. You Mm -hmm. know just it can look like a lot of things. Trauma work. There's a lot of things in our field that's awesome yeah. that's so cool um I feel like this is kind of becoming like a hot topic recently like it is. not a lot of people knew about this mm-hmm. I mean I didn't I don't feel like I really knew about it until after I had my babies yeah. but it's really cool to see people starting to talk about things that we don't talk right. about like women and generations before would have never addressed right a yeah. lot of these issues it is definitely on trend right now which is great for the field and for oh, education yeah. it also means there's a lot of um like topics floating around on social media Mm because they know they'll get a lot of views and stuff and it's not always the best (laughs) advice but hey look as long as people are talking about it Mm -hmm. that's way better than what we were working with five ten years ago so I'll take it sure absolutely um so can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the field and how like everything about it when it comes to you (laughs) Sure, sure. So some people, especially now that pelvic health is a little bit more uh, well-known, a lot of people know they want to get into this. Okay. Uh, But when I graduated physical therapy school, no, definitely not. I wanted to work with tennis players and runners and your typical orthopedic stuff. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I did when I graduated from physical therapy school. I worked at a very normal outpatient – clinic and there was another therapist who worked there who uh, saw women's health stuff and was going on maternity leave Mm -hmm. and she asked if I could take over her caseload and I was like I did not pay attention in school when we talked (laughs) about that (laughs) like oh 
Angela, oh, oh. And she's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'll tell you everything you need to know. You don't have to love it. Mm -hmm. Like, I just need help. And I'll be around. She actually owned the practice. So she's like, I'll be around, you know. I was like, okay. And um, anyway, I got started. I didn't get a lot of support starting out. So I kind of just had to figure it out as I went. Yeah. But I will never forget my first eval, my first evaluation that I did on a patient. She comes in and she sits down and you can tell she's really nervous. Yeah. And I was like, so why are you here? And she said, um, I'm having pain with sex. And she kind of whispers sex because like we're in Louisiana. Nobody wants to say the word sex or talk about it. You know, well, I mean, probably any southern state. Yeah. She's like, I'm (laughs) having pain with sex. And so I'm like, okay, well, how long has this been happening? And she immediately just starts crying, which I am not used to. Now I am, obviously. But at the time, I was not. And she just starts weeping. And um, she says, 16 years. Like, I've had pain with sex for 16 years. Wow. And I think I told this story at Enliven, actually, where you and I first met. But um, it's like, I've had pain with sex for 16 years. I've had two kids in that time. And it hasn't gotten any better. And I was like, okay, um, great let's work on that and over the months that we worked together watching her life transform so Mm -hmm. you don't just solve the problem like sex doesn't hurt anymore great but that carries out into her marriage that Mm -hmm. carries out into how she feels um as a mother as she feels as a person she walked differently she talked differently and and I was sold I was hooked I was like this is women's ministry and I am all about it like getting to talk with people about their most vulnerable intimate things yeah creating a safe place for people I was sold so I transitioned from there wow that's amazing that's so cool um I can't think of like a better way to spend your life oh my like that's got to be just the most amazing ministry. I'm obsessed with I'm obsessed with what I do. I yeah. think it is I'm so thankful that I have this education to be able to marry with my passion for women and making sure women feel safe and loved and know who they are and how they were created to be. It's just the biggest blessing to get to do that from a like a spiritual and emotional standpoint but also from addressing very primitive physical needs at the same time and, yeah um anyway I love it I'm obsessed yeah. if you can't tell I'm a little bit obsessed no with I, I love it okay. that's so cool and I think it's really beautiful how you started on one path and God kind of just shifted you to yeah. another yeah. but yeah it was like you still got to use the the education that you originally received right now did you ever go back for like continuing education what like, yes to specifically yes you can't hone just in? like jump into women's health okay um, that's what I was wondering yeah, you can't uh you can't do that you definitely need a lot more education and okay. so there's you so have is to that when you got your doctorate then no so um or was that at before? the time I went to physical therapy school it was standard for it to be a doctorate okay so gotcha. it, physical therapy used to be a master's but anyway okay. now it's a doctorate that's okay. pretty standard um, and then there's lots of paths you can take for pelvic health. I don't know um, how nerdy you want me to get about this. But anyway, I just took some continuing ed, yeah. read a lot of books, um, got some mentorship, that sort of thing. You can actually get a like residency, like a specialty okay. in this. Not a lot of people do that because it really doesn't um, – it doesn't affect me and like my career, but yeah. Um, but yeah. And so there's a ton of education you get on that. And then you can get more based on your, 
even your niches in the niche. Yeah. So like you can go down the male pelvic health route, mm-hmm. the children's pelvic health, pregnancy and postpartum, yeah. you know, sex trauma, endometriosis, pelvic pain. You can like get real niche about yeah. it. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. What is the difference between common versus normal symptoms that you sure. would see, whether it's pre, post, during pregnancy, all of that. All the things. Yeah. All the things. Yeah. yeah. Let's nail down. Let's talk about that. Pregnancy, postpartum first, because I know that's going to be a lot of your um, A lot of my audience. audience yeah. And then yeah. I can discuss some outliers as well. But yeah. For example, with pregnancy, um, like a lot of people I'm seeing right now are having pubic bone pain, low back pain in pregnancy. And so those things are really common, mm-hmm. but they're also, there's a lot we can do to either prevent or treat them. And mm. so ideal situation is you're working with a physical therapist as you're getting pregnant, you okay. know, maybe even before you're making sure your body's in a good space because a lot of women, they get pregnant in that first trimester. They're like, I'm not doing anything. I feel horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to move my body. And so having a good baseline of strength going into pregnancy can prevent a lot of issues. Yeah. Or just getting established ahead of time. It can help prevent or reverse some of those symptoms that you're feeling in pregnancy with uh, labor. So labor ideally is a very empowering circumstance. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't feel empowered yeah. because they don't know what they're supposed to feel. They don't know how to push. Yes. Yeah. Um, wait, is this video or audio? Both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, good. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah, if someone's good. just listening, <laughs> yeah, they don't good. know how to quote unquote push. Um, and so that's a lot of the things that we help with as far as um, getting through pregnancy and labor. Postpartum, mm-hmm. that's when we really hear a lot of common versus normal. Yeah. Um, it's never, I don't want to say never, it's rarely uh, a, not a good thing. It's really an explainable thing if you pee on yourself. Mm-hmm. So if there is a very major neurological situation, then that's pretty common. But in pregnancy, you shouldn't be leaking. Mm-hmm. In postpartum, you should not be leaking. So that's an example of a pregnancy situation, like uh, peeing more often in pregnancy, totally fine, yeah. totally expected. You've yeah. got a baby sitting on your bladder, yeah. right? But if you're leaking or peeing on your pants, um, that is something that needs to be addressed because what your body's saying is, there's a weakness in my system here, mm-hmm. and pregnancy is just exposing it. Yeah. Okay? Same with postpartum, um, leaking, having pain with sex. All of these things are really, really common. Feeling mm-hmm. really heavy in your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Not knowing what to do with your core postpartum. Yeah. Really common. But these are all things that are super easily addressed. Right? It's That's so good to and know. And it's not mom's – I think what's so difficult is it's not mom's jobs to know. Mm-hmm. You know, like we are scouring – social media and you're getting all this information and you feel like you're supposed to know how to heal your body postpartum like mm-hmm. that's not your job like yeah. you have a million other jobs yeah. why if you can delegate it yeah delegate it to someone who that's what they do all day every day is yeah. help women navigate postpartum so yeah. that's an example or that can carry over into um like a woman who goes to have sex for the first time and it's really uncomfortable or yeah. goes to have the sex for the first time postpartum and it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Is that normal? Yeah. That's super normal. Mm-hmm. But if that continues to hurt, mm-hmm. that's yeah. something that, you know, if the second, third, fourth time you're having sex, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Or you're not having orgasms. Yeah. Or, you know, those things are things that 
people are like, oh, well, I'm just, I have babies now. Yeah. I'm not going to enjoy sex anymore. Yeah. No, girl. Yeah. It's so hard because that stereotype, like, it's really not something we've talked about until very recently mm. in, like, history. Yeah. Like, that's, it's been a generational thing that's yeah. not really been addressed before. Yeah. And so now it's this whole generation of, like, we want to be open and, like, yeah. it, we want to talk about things and then we don't have anywhere to go with that. Right. So it's good to know that there's a whole profession out there that yeah. like that's a thing. I also wanted to know um, the whole pelvic pain part about um, being pregnant, but that's yeah. not necessarily something that like has to happen. I think is really interesting yeah. because I've literally considered not having more kids because of how bad my pain was with my second, sure. just because it's like, I feel like the general advice given is just do your Kegels and do your bridges and your clamshells mm. postpartum and you'll be good to go. Yeah. And I did that with my first and like got really strong and that was great. But I almost think in some ways I got too strong in some ways. Like I know I have a tighter pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting to me to know that like maybe I didn't have to have severe raging pain for my entire second pregnancy because yeah. everyone just said, oh, you're second. You're going to be in pain. And that was just like a thing. Uh, so, yeah. 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 And and don't hear me say that um, we can prevent all problems. Oh, right? yeah, definitely. Because definitely. We can't. But, yeah. you know, it, there's if you're going to start CrossFit, it's super dumb to just go in there and like start throwing weights around. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't be shocked if you threw out your back. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, but for some reason, when it comes to pregnancy and postpartum, we think we should just be able to do it without mm-hmm thinking about it yeah um and I'm kind of like a I don't know what you call this like a naturalist maybe or I always ask the question well what did we do before this profession Mm -hmm. what did they do a thousand years ago you know why why does this need it and the answer is our culture like Mm -hmm. our food is different now our air is different now our lifestyles are different now and so it's not weird to need help in these seemingly Mm -hmm. natural processes of getting pregnant and having babies it's not weird to need help and um like I mentioned getting stronger helps a ton yeah watching your habits helps a ton we Mm -hmm. look at how people move their bodies and pick up things um and then some people don't need strengthening yeah you know like you kind of notice you might have gotten too strong and a lot of what people need now is down regulating Mm -hmm. and relaxing learning to not be so tense all the time yes Mm -hmm. I could use a little bit of that (laughs) I also genetically err on the side of tension so I I feel you that's good to know (laughs) okay so I read something on your website about how prayer is a part of your practice sure and I would love for you to talk a little bit about that yeah about what that looks like just how you integrate that because I think that's like such a cool thing that is not something you typically find yeah so. yeah it's uh we try and be very culturally respectful mm-hmm. um faith respectful so yeah um I, it's very clear on our website or just if you talk to me so i believe not only in a higher deity like i believe in the god of the bible and mm-hmm. part of my life mission is to give glory to god but also understand that i'm not here to heal you that's not my job yeah right yeah. i'm here to just use my education and experience and help create a path for Holy Spirit to do what your body should be able to do. Anyway. Yes. Yes. I have a whole spiel on that, but no, um, I I love it. Yes. That not everyone who comes to see us agrees with that. Yeah. Right. So 
what the way that we incorporate faith into our practice is one just walking into every appointment with that understanding and that kind of humility of I am not the hero it's not my job to heal this person it also takes a lot of pressure off me absolutely we as providers feel like it's our job to fix you and if you don't get fixed it's our fault mm-hmm. and so I try and humble myself before the Lord and it's not my fault if you don't get healed it's also not to my credit if you do mm-hmm. right um, so that's a big role, praying over our patients just in our own prayer closets, not in front of you, yeah. you know, that in the back end. But in, as far as in our patient care, it kind of depends on what you're coming to the table with. So yeah. if you are not some, if you're someone who believes in um, a, a deity or a, a higher power, but maybe not the God of the Bible, then we're going to like address that. That's going to affect how you do life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to, you know, help you recognize like your role and talk about that sort of thing. Yeah. But if, especially if I know that somebody is comfortable with prayer, um, especially if there's someone who's struggling in pain or with trauma, mm. I'll, I'll ask if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, I just, if I'm doing manual therapy, just praying yeah. without them knowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but that's how, especially if I'm doing hands-on work, that's a big component mm-hmm. of it. But again, it really just depends on the, the person's faith that's coming in yeah. to the room. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like um, part of the intuitive aspect of it is Holy Spirit-led? Sure. So I do. Yeah. For, for sure. You. For you. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, I do. I mean, there's things that I'm like, I don't know why I think we should do this right now, but let's just try it and mm-hmm. see what happens. Yeah. But I'm also trying to help people connect with their own ability to hear that voice. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm trying to uh, get into more question asking. So mm. as physical therapists, we are taught to have all the answers and we're taught to direct we're taught to tell you what to do, tell you what to try, which is great. But now that I've started doing more trauma training, mm-hmm. it's really helping me to take a step back and say, like, I don't need to know everything. What do you think your body needs right now? Mm. Do you think we should do some movement or you think we should do some manual therapy? Mm. Um, you know, if someone's like, oh, I really hurt. I'm like, oh, well, what do you feel like your body needs to release that right now? And just kind of coming at a place of curiosity mm-hmm. and helping you realize you can connect yeah. with the spirit and yeah. you can connect with that or even just tune into your own body. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's a really unique perspective because especially in women's health, I feel like it's very difficult to find anyone who isn't along the lines of this is how things are done. And right. if you don't follow X, Y, and Z, then find someone else who will take care of you. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of women end up just saying, feeling like, I guess I can't be helped or mm. I guess I can't be healed or which obviously there's a lot of nuance to that. Sure, but sure. I definitely think that that's really a special way to approach health in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. Yeah. That's and really I, would, awesome. I would for sure encourage people um, to take a little more ownership of their health. Absolutely. Um, we tend to like, oh, you see one midwife or OB who tells you that this is how it needs to be and you're like okay you know or even one pelvic floor therapist and they're like I need to see you twice a week you know da 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 and you're like I can't make that happen I'm Mm -hmm. just not gonna go or these exercises don't feel applicable to me so I'm just not gonna do them Mm -hmm. or whatever 
if you're not communicating, you know, the, oh, absolutely. How, are, how's the person supposed to help you? You got to take ownership of your own health. And absolutely. that means provider searching. That mm-hmm. means saying, hey, this isn't going to work for me. Or mm-hmm. um, what do you mean just drink a glass of wine and sex isn't going to hurt anymore? Like that doesn't feel appropriate. Ooh, yeah. I know. Yeah. So like having finding your voice but a lot of people have authority mm-hmm. issues and that's really difficult to mm-hmm. do and so my encouragement to you is to if you don't feel comfortable sharing your voice with your provider find another provider absolutely which I say that knowing a lot of people don't have choices it and, is so hard yeah and, and we're, I'm very privileged to be in an area where I can make choices absolutely. you know so yeah please keep in mind well and that's that even when it comes to finances like that yeah. it's so hard to be able to manage all of that and yes yeah whether you play the insurance game or not it's, yes there's yeah that's there that's very <laughs> loaded yeah um, it, is, it is there was something you said that I was gonna oh I think one thing that I have found especially in the Christian space is that Christians in general kind of approach things from a um, the authority part is kind of mm. hard because we're taught to respect authority right, and taught right. to listen um, and I think it's kind of hard to walk into a space and feel like maybe that I have ownership because mm-hmm. it feels like, oh, this person is a doctor. Like right. they have all of these years of education. How could anything that I come across or anything that I personally feel or anything that I feel like God is telling me be possibly more right? right. Th- that's a terrible way to put it, but that's how it you. feels in your head. Yes. Of how could I be more right than this person standing yeah. in front of me who has more training and more experience than I do yeah um so yeah do you have anything more to say to that of like how do I how do you approach that without feeling like um you're stepping out of place right I think the first thing to know is you're hiring them Mm. so you're paying these people yeah and then uh just because we know the body probably better um i mean especially if you've never dissected a body it's hard to argue with somebody who has dissected a human body yeah uh but just because just because i might know the human body or movement better than you do doesn't mean i know your body and Mm. your movement the Mm. best yeah right so and then at the end of the day these people don't have to live with the decisions Mm. so If, you know, you decide to, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, you decide to uh, get an epidural or not. You know, maybe you're like, I want an epidural. And your provider's like, no. But usually it's the other way. Usually yeah. it's like, I don't want an epidural. And your provider's like, you're going to get an epidural. Um, they're not going to really remember that decision. Mm-hmm. They're not going to remember what happens after that. Absolutely. And they're going ba- – they are making the best decisions they can. So if you somehow cannot take it personally, they are giving you the best medical advice or hopefully medical advice. They're giving you the best advice they can. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it's backed in medicine and not backed in convenience, Mm -hmm. but they are giving you their best advice. Mm -hmm. And so take that as a counsel. Mm -hmm. And then part of it is so hard because you do feel like, how do I, how could I possibly know more than this person? Yeah. Right. But if you feel uncomfortable, the best thing to do is be curious. Absolutely. The two best questions are, um, like, can you tell me more? Or what if we did this? What would happen? Mm-hmm. And then, hey, can you come back in five minutes? Like, mm-hmm. that's a really good option. Or, like, let's try this and see what happens. Like, yeah. they say, um, or I say, let's say someone's coming to see me, and I'm like, okay, I want you to do these five exercises. Come back and see me in two weeks. 
and something in you goes, I don't feel like that's right for me. Mm. Maybe you say something like, oh, can you tell me more about why you chose these five exercises? Mm. Or why are you recommending two weeks instead of one or yeah. three? And just being curious. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't come off as an attack. And yeah. I'd be like, oh, great question. I like two weeks because one week is da-da-da and two weeks is da-da-da. Yeah. Let yeah. these five exercises do this. Or you could say um, – these five exercises feel like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, like, do you have a favorite three? Or what if I only have time to do one or two in a day? Yeah. Is that going to be bad? Just give them the option to explain a little bit further. Yeah. Which it's hard to do when you're in labor. But yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, I definitely think it's uh, I, I like what you said earlier about how um, it's not necessarily a postpartum mom's like responsibility to figure out how to heal her own body and I feel like when it comes to talking about taking um, responsibility especially radical responsibility for your health and Mm -hmm. educating yourself and making educated informed choices um, I love how that ties into what you just said because it's not necessarily we aren't necessarily required to know everything and Mm -hmm. to be educated about everything in detail that part of taking radical responsibility is just asking questions and taking a moment to dig a little bit deeper yeah and then listening to your body's response as well in the moment if you're not feeling comfortable sure even when it is explained or unpacked that just because you give an answer doesn't necessarily mean that that's still the end all right be all in that moment right and I do want to address I feel like this two statements feel a little oxymoronic oxymoronic that I just said where it's like you're not responsible for you shouldn't you're not responsible for your health and then you need to be responsible for your health <laughs> you know I feel like that feels a little contradictory so mm-hmm. I want to address yeah, that yeah totally I um, meant like you're not you don't have to figure everything out on your own is what I'm saying when that whole especially postpartum piece like yeah. you don't have to scour social media and figure it out and you don't have to have a doctorate and in, in therapy yeah. to be able to recover postpartum that's not your job you need to figure out how to access the, those resources that fit mm-hmm. you. But I love what you said about um, just asking lots of questions and coming from a place of curiosity. Very rarely is anything emergent mm-hmm. and very rarely does anything have to be decided yeah. right away. Even, I mean, even in labor, mm-hmm. if they aren't rushing you to the freaking OR, yeah, it's not an emergency, yeah. right? If they aren't like, all if they're just like hey we got to get this baby out right now and then as soon as you're like okay they take their sweet time getting you prepped for a mm-hmm. c-section that's not emergent no that's yeah. not emergent that's yeah. just convenient yeah. um so always be willing to ask for more time mm-hmm. to think or to go home and do your own research or get yeah. a second opinion well and that's i think a lot there's a lot of voices on social media right now saying like if you're gonna take responsibility you have to know mm-hmm. as much as possible and I think that that isn't always the case right. because you can know things, but not you don't have to know everything. Right. And there is still value in having a provider that does have that education, but there's there's a give and take with that, and yeah. that, that's allowed. Yeah. I think you nailed it when you said tap into how your body feels about it. Mm-hmm. Like ask questions, hear the options, and then if your body's like, I want to go home and research this, yeah, you know, then go do that. Or if your body goes, no, I really feel at peace with – with the choice to do Pitocin, that feels right, mm-hmm. then do it. Yeah. I mean, you don't, 
if you want to go research, do it. But, yeah. you know, that's also a medical provider who's encouraging you to do that. And if that feels good to you and you trust that, mm-hmm. then there, then do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's um, a lot more to our body's intuition and energy yeah. than we give ourselves credit for sure. um, and give the Holy Spirit credit for. <laughs> yeah. If that's where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would love to talk a little bit about, uh, going back to like the symptomology type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to, um, specifically sex mm-hmm. pre, during pregnancy, postpartum, is it maybe c- more common versus normal for it to feel different and mm-hmm. for it to, for maybe for you to, I know you said like the first time after postpartum, mm-hmm. possibly having pain. Um, I think that that's something that's not, people get like all like funky about it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I really want to ask this question, <laughs> but um, like during pregnancy, is it going to feel, is it normal to f- for it to feel different than mm-hmm. it does pre and post? Yeah. And then post, is there things that can be done or, um, which I know you've kind of talked a little bit about that, how things can be done, but um, I'm like losing my train of thought with all of this. Um, I don't know if you wanted to speak into that a little sure, bit. Yeah, sure. I'm obsessed with sex, so buckle up. I could talk about it that's, all that's day totally long. Fine. I love it so much, <laughs> mainly because I grew up in, I am a Christian, but also grew up in that environment as well, yeah. in the Bible Belt, yeah. in purity culture. And so I have a lot of passion yeah. around sex and talking about it, especially to people who grew up conservatively. Um, so, pr- yes, to answer your question, yes, it is super normal to for it to be weird. Your body's changing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even just positions mm-hmm. are different. Yeah. You know, what used to be your go-to is now not an option because yeah. you've got a bowling ball in your stomach yeah. or your back hurts or you have pubic bone pain or mm-hmm. something. Like, I had a patient recently who – um, was having trouble that's actually what we're going to talk about like at our next visit is sex positions with the fact that when she spreads her legs it hurts her pubic bone mm-hmm. so and she was also very reliant on like missionary style mm-hmm. like on her back I don't know how graphic you want to get on this oh podcast, no I'm all about <laughs> talking about sex you are totally <laughs> okay, fine okay. so like her go-to <laughs> positions like on her back with her legs spread and yeah. that really hurts yeah. now with her pubic bone pain and pregnancy and so one of our appointments we're going to talk about sex and how to have orgasms without having to spread your legs so um super normal you've got hormone changes Mm -hmm. you've got physical changes very very normal for some people they their sex their libido spikes in pregnancy they're like i have never felt sexier Mm -hmm. i am curvy i feel awesome like let's do it yeah not me girl i'm like oh so you know that's me i'm the opposite i'm like whole first first second third trimester the whole thing yeah you're like let's Mm -hmm. do it all day every day (laughs) For me, it comes in waves. Like, it really just kind of mm-hmm. depends on the day. There's some, you know, seasons where I'm like, oh, I just can't. I can't. I'm like, yeah. my body feels weird. You know, it's yeah. just. So that's super normal as well. Yeah. But what we want to address is, is if somebody is not okay with how they feel. So mm-hmm. if they're like, my libido in pregnancy is really low and I want it to be high. Mm-hmm. Then we want to address it. Just because you have a low libido in pregnancy doesn't mean you need to address it mm-hmm. if it doesn't bother you. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, if it's, you know, affecting your relationships, if it's affecting you personally because you are self-conscious about it, then get some help. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, and it is normal to, for it to also change because of like maybe vaginal dryness. Mm hmm. 
uh, we change lubricants sometimes. So mm -hmm. everybody should be using a lubricant. Let's normalize lubricant, guys. Mm -hmm. Like everybody <laughs> needs to be using a lubricant. Mm -hmm. um, but what lubricant you use might change based mm. on pregnancy. You're going to yeah. want to look at um, your vagina has a certain pH and osmolality, but sometimes that looks different. And then you also might want to play around with water-based versus oil-based mm -hmm. and just buy a bunch of samples and figure out what works best for you and it's going to change. Yeah. Your um, orgasms might be a little different in pregnancy, mm -hmm. especially toward the end when your uh, pelvic floor is holding on for dear life. <laughs> it might be, um, they might be stronger, but most people, they're either harder to achieve mm -hmm. or they feel a little bit weaker because yeah. the pelvic floor is already so tight. There's not a lot of like movement in the muscle. So yeah. that's not weird. Yeah. Um, you might notice a little bit hypersensitivity because of the increase in blood flow. Mm -hmm. So some, some people that makes having orgasms easier. Mm -hmm. And for some people it just, they're like, Oh, don't touch me. I can't. I yeah. Can't. It's too much. It's too mm -hmm. much. Yeah. As far as parts. Po so does that answer your question about Definitely. pregnancy? So okay. postpartum, I had a, I had a question. Um, does it, well, I mean, this is kind of pre and postpartum mm -hmm. because just cycles in general. Is it normal for it to change how like different positions, how they feel during different parts of your cycle, depending on where your cervix is based on when you're ovulating and not um, and when you're having your period and all of that different different yeah. stuff? Is that can that change? Is it I found that it's more heightened postpartum. Mm -hmm. Does that seem to be something mm -hmm. that's normal? I would not be surprised. I my rule of thumb is. Don't think your sex life is going to look the same mm -hmm. day after day, week yeah. after week, month after month. I mean, praise God, our bodies, especially women's, are this interesting canvas of adventure. Yeah. And men are a little bit more on the cut and dry side. They mm -hmm. do have cycles and they do have changes in their erotic zones and what feels good and their libidos. But for the most part, the adventure comes from the woman. Mm -hmm. So... How it's, fun. <laughs> I know. It's so fun. It's so fun. So don't get stuck in your ruts, you know, yeah. and don't get frustrated. Like if one day, um, you know, uh, cowgirl style feels great and the next day it doesn't, don't be like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with me now? Mm -hmm. You know, this is horrible. Yeah. Now, if cowgirl style hurts for a really long time or you don't like it for a long time, but you really want to like it. Yeah. That's when you need to go seek out help. And that may or may not be pelvic floor therapy. That's prob. I do a lot of sex just because I'm passionate about it or yeah. talk a lot about it with my clients. Yeah. But that's not standard for yeah. pelvic health therapy. Um, you probably want to go see like a sex counselor or therapist yeah. okay. um, for stuff like that. But that's not weird at all for, yeah. you know, some people feel heavy. They're during parts of their cycle. They feel like their organs are dropped lower. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, let's talk about sex real quick. So when a woman gets aroused, you mm -hmm. have the arousal cycle. So when you get excited, what happens to your body is you get like a lot of blood flow to your genital area for men and women. Mm -hmm. For a woman, your vaginal canal actually lengthens and widens to mm -hmm. prepare for penetration. Mm -hmm. So your um, clitoris gets more enlarged. Your like labias will get fuller and richer in color. But the big thing is that vaginal canal lengthens and widens. Mm -hmm. That uterus kind of tense up. Yeah. And so for some people, 
they need a longer time in foreplay for that to happen. Yeah. Okay. And so if they try to have a quickie at certain points of their cycle, they're going to feel like, oh, deep penetration doesn't feel really great. Yeah. But there's tools for that. If you want quickies and you, you know, yeah, there's tools for that. Yeah. But um, that anyway, that process can change um, based on where you're at in your cycle or postpartum. Mm, okay. The thing to be aware of postpartum is when medically cleared does not mean sexually cleared and it does not mean exercisely cleared mm-hmm. movement cleared okay yeah. so i have a lot of people who get nervous about that six week checkup because they're like oh my gosh i'm going to be cleared there i'm going to be all better but i don't feel better and i'm yeah. not ready to have sex and i'm not ready to run a marathon and i'm yeah. like please don't have sex until you're ready please don't run a marathon until you're at least six weeks eight week eight months sorry six weeks um like eight months postpartum please yeah. don't start running um and then there's me that doesn't listen to any of the advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But honestly, I've seen a lot of stuff like lately on the internet where people are saying, which obviously let's, let's look at what's on the internet. <laughs> um, but a lot of women are actually like not super cool about like having to, having to wait six weeks. Yeah. There's like a lot of women that comment on things like about women who are, com- a woman will p- post something complaining about, I have to, um, I have to after six weeks, like wow. that exciting clearing for yeah. her spouse or significant other. And then there's a lot of comments of women that are like, do I actually have to wait six weeks? So I actually think there's a little bit of nuance in that. Sure. I'm one of those that was, and I, that's just might be me, but yeah, I think that there's a little bit of nuance in that actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. And the reason we want you to wait till you're medically cleared is just risk of infection mm-hmm. right yeah so that's really what it is and so th- but I do know that there's some midwives and OBs that are doing earlier mm-hmm. um like checkups and so but that's the, it's not saying abstain from sexual activity mm-hmm. it's just really watch your penetration or yeah. anything that's going into your vaginal canal if you've had a vaginal yeah or even if you haven't had a vaginal birth but um so yes there's no expectation there for some mm-hmm. people they are like rearing to go and sometimes you might have to be creative yeah. because you might not want anything up in your vagina, yeah. you know? And so maybe you want, again, forgive me if this is like too graphic. I don't no, know you're good. You're here, fine. But like some people do oral sex or anal play mm-hmm. or um, they do toys or whatever. Like there's so many options that we could get into yeah. um, to open the door for people. But for some people, we're talking about like discomfort. Some people go to have sex postpartum and they're like oh my goodness my body feels totally different mm-hmm. this is uncomfortable maybe mm-hmm. or my go-to's aren't my go-to's anymore mm-hmm. or what happened to my orgasm like yeah. all of those things are super common mm-hmm. super super common but those are things that we want to address if they continue yeah yeah I'm sure it feels heavy for a lot of women too that don't feel like they have a partner that's going to listen or be present long enough to work through those issues or to figure them out or to say hey your pleasure matters too yeah let's explore yeah and that's I feel like that's probably there's an emotional side of that too for sure that's really kind of where that's kind of where the trauma work comes in where we do a lot of trauma work Um, I would love if you'd unpack that a little bit because I feel like there's probably a lot of women who are um who have either had birth trauma or sexual trauma or assault trauma all of the different types of trauma I know that's something I dealt with a lot earlier mm-hmm. on in my marriage, and that was I didn't have 
a professional helping me mm-hmm. and I'm sure I can probably still get some help yeah. and probably work through anything that's pushed down. Yeah. Um, but I don't think a lot of, I, I feel like if earlier in my marriage I had been told, hey, that you are available, that this is even something that yeah. is out there, I would have been afraid to even go down that road because of trauma that had occurred. Sure. And just not feeling comfortable, not knowing what to expect. Yeah internally externally the whole thing yeah so I would love if you'd unpack that a little bit sure sure well just to kind of encourage you on that last part um when you see a pelvic health therapist hopefully again not everyone's created equally Mm -hmm. so just like there are crazy OBs there are (laughs) crazy pelvic floor therapists so um but ideally you are working with somebody who creates a very safe environment and someone who's only going to do what your body's comfortable with. Yeah. So on your first visit, I know with us, you're probably not getting an internal exam. Okay. okay. Um, that's, we want to make sure you feel real good, like and comfortable with us before mm-hmm. we go down that route. Um, but anything we do is not supposed to poke the bear. We're mm-hmm. not like, Oh, this hurts. Well, let's poke it and <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. You know, that yeah. goes with trauma and it goes with physical stuff. If yeah. Yeah pain this isn't like a pap smear we're like you got to get the pap smear done Mm -hmm. you know I mean I'm assuming right and so you're like well I just got to suck it up and do it when we're doing internal work or external work in pelvic floor therapy it needs to be for the most part pain free and Mm. super safe and your body is saying I'm okay I'm yes I agree with this the whole time not Mm -hmm. just your brain but your body yeah um so just to clarify I'm not a mental health therapist Mm -hmm. Uh, my trauma background is in somatic experiencing. So that's okay. a type of, uh, that's a tool. That's a trauma tool. Okay. And it's focused on the body and letting the body lead mm-hmm. the trauma work. So I don't know if you've ever worked with a talk therapist where you feel like cerebrally in your brain you've addressed the hurt, but it still flares up in your body every now and then. And mm-hmm. you're like, what in the world? Yeah. I have completely forgiven that person or I have resolved that birth trauma or mm-hmm. my husband and I have worked through our stuff. Yeah. Why is it still affecting my body? Um, yeah. And that's what we work on mm. with somatic practicing. Okay. So what is that for yeah. p- those who don't know? So somatic means body. Okay. And so the thought process is trauma lives in the body. It lives in the brainstem. It doesn't live in your your memory or your uh, language centers of your brain. Mm. So while talk therapy is a phenomenal tool and I love it, um, we are making sure that we address the storage places of trauma, which Mm. is in the body. So, and if you're not sure, next time you feel a big emotion, like excitement, sadness, um, anxiousness, Mm -hmm. whatever, like uh, coming to do this talk with you I'm like a little nervous you know because I'm like what if I say something dumb you know I want to make sure I help people yeah you know so where do I feel nervousness in my body okay I feel it a little bit in my stomach in my Mm. chest my heart rate gets a little bit higher I feel this little kind of like knot in my belly and so leaving space for your body to experience those things Mm, with birth sometimes it looks like um a woman went into fight or flight in birth okay but she could not fight or flee Mm. she had to freeze and so the body did not get to uh release the stuff that was happening so in Mm. the wild the the woman would the mother would attack the predator or would take her baby and run away Mm -hmm. or you know that's how she would respond to the fight or flight well in birth 
a lot of us because we're kosher and we, you know, want to be good little Christian women. Mm -hmm. We're not going to speak up. And so um, I actually have one woman who her trauma is in her voice because she can't use her voice. She's Mm. gone through assault. She's gone through birth stuff. Mm -hmm. She can't use her voice. And so that's where she feels all of her tension is Mm -hmm. because she just has never used her voice. So that's an example of kind of something that we work through in um, trauma therapy. Mm, yeah yeah that's so interesting I did a little bit of like I did a lot of emotional healing work in between my first and my second Mm. and um my my first was a hospital birth very traumatic and Mm. it was um it was one of those things where I didn't want to be in the hospital to begin with and so it was already like fight or flight mode going into the birth which was Mm. pretty terrible and then everything happened as I thought it would and it just it got worse and worse and um I held that in a lot of different parts of my body but it was really cool because a few weeks before I gave birth to my second I was going through a healing program and getting to um physically I I got to voice all of those things that happened and I did a lot of prayer deep work with a woman and got to physically feel where it left my body and it was Mm -hmm. just such a special experience and I would probably I would recommend that to anyone who is not um even if you didn't have a traumatic first birth getting to release any of those pent-up emotions I feel like helped significantly just to trust my body and to trust my space and to trust the people that I invited in to trust myself for the fact that I invited those people in because it's hard when you're making a lot of us get to somewhat make decisions about who we have in our birth space and again mm-hmm. that can be really privileged depending mm-hmm. on where you're at and what your financials look like um but it can I I I was so angry with myself for so long for mm-hmm. choosing the people that I chose for my first birth because yeah. I knew in my gut that those were not good people to be that those were not safe people to be around for my birth um and yet that was who was there and that added to the trauma and then my second birth getting to choose who was there and really own that responsibility um, was just a really special experience. Yeah. And I think it's cool that uh, you are able to f- kind of facilitate some of that mm. that healing work. I think that's really, really special and something that should be prioritized. I just released a blog post today about, like, what you should actually be prepping for. Oh, wow. In postpartum, for postpartum. It's amazing. And it's not your 500 things, baby items. It's like these services that you should be prioritizing because you're not going to use 99% of that stuff. Right. You're just going to be loving on your baby. And so um, I I feel like, like, do you have a registry option? Like, that would be so good. (laughs) Like, can we normalize registering for postpartum doulas and mental health therapy and physical therapy? pelvic floor therapy like yeah put that on your registry yeah. like that's amazing and actually I've had people do that so that's yeah. not weird. okay but cool like and yeah. I for my if I have another baby lord willing like I'm definitely putting postpartum doula stuff mm-hmm. on my registry because I like anyway it's that postpartum help that you need it's yeah. so much more than I'm really sorry about your birth oh thank you I'm really you. glad that you were able to kind of have a different experience for your oh, second yes that's yes. really hard yeah, God worked through a lot of that in, in a really special way. And I've been able to use my first for as, as a part of my testimony. And that's been really um, 
a lot of different feelings about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely just take your responsibility for <laughs> the people that you invite into your space because yeah. it's um, – it's a it's a once in a lifetime experience for each of your births and um but sometimes it's not a choice and I think that that's really important to be recognized I love that you said that choice is often privileged Mm -hmm. so and I do want to recognize that I mean I live and work in one of the most privileged cities you know Mm -hmm. so there is a lot of choice uh, not just available but that people have access to financially Mm time-wise so that is that is something to think about and if that is not your your case like you don't live in an area with a pelvic floor therapist Mm -hmm. or um, you can't financially afford to put postpartum doulas on your registry Mm -hmm. because no one's gonna buy that yeah yeah um then then you're gonna have to be creative Mm -hmm. and and i think a lot of us could benefit from being a little bit more creative but there are resources and tools out there it's just we're fighting against an isolation Mm -hmm. culture it's so much harder to do this when you're not living generationally and you don't have a bunch of support around you oh absolutely it's just so much harder i mean these days you have to like beg for people to bring you food postpartum and to just let you sit in bed for a couple of days like ideally 40 plus but like that's yeah like you're lucky to get like two or three now and it's so so hard and there's so much to be said about that there were I'm actually recording an episode in a few weeks with Mm. uh, a birth educator who like she loves to talk about maternity care deserts and like how you can like get scrappy when there's literally no options for you yes um and so actually that kind of leads me into a question I had for women who um either their insurance does not cover a pelvic floor therapist or their local pelvic floor therapists don't accept insurance Mm -hmm. um and maybe they just don't have the cash or don't they just don't have the means to be able to do that is there any hope for them (laughs) like is there any place to start is there anything they can do if they aren't able to do that at that point yeah um you have to be resourceful, Absolutely. right? So yeah. um, being able to pass the hat to someone else is a privilege because mm-hmm. that usually costs money to put yeah. somebody. It's like doing your own gym routine versus hiring a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Like, is it easier to hire a personal trainer? Yes, because then mm-hmm. you don't have to think about what you're doing. Yeah. But that's a privilege, right? Mm-hmm. So getting scrappy, like I love that you use the word scrappy. I think that's amazing. <laughs> There's a lot of people um, who put out content, especially with social media, and they just put out content. The problem is you have to actually implement the content, which Mm -hmm. is very, very difficult. So there's so many cheap or free pregnancy programs out there, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Gosh, there's so many. My friend uh, May has one. Or um, in postpartum, we're involved in the Christian hypnobirthing postpartum. Yeah you know, rehab stuff. There's programs like that that cost maybe the same as half a visit if you're paying cash mm-hmm. for for a visit, which granted you don't get the personalization mm-hmm. or the manual therapy or anything and like so that. I guess that's part of my question is, is it safe to do some, I, I know that's kind of a generalized, so this is not medical sure, advice. Sure. Is it overall for most people going to be okay for them to try to attempt to do one of those programs without first being yeah. physically seen or is that because I know in some professions they would say 
don't ever start exercises or don't ever do X, Y, or Z without first being evaluated by a professional. Sure. And so is this a field where there's a little yeah. bit of room? Well, that's a cover your rear end statement and yeah. it's wise. I mean, yeah. I don't want someone starting, like we have online programs and I don't want someone starting the online program and being like, I tore my groin muscle doing <laughs> your pregnancy project. And I'm like, what yeah. were you doing? Yeah. You know, like, so my advice is check the credentials of the person making the program. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So even if you're doing a program made by a personal trainer, there are personal trainers with continuing ed in pregnancy and postpartum. And there are those that do not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or is there a pelvic floor therapist involved in the program? You know, like who's making this program? Mm, yeah. And then I'm going to circle it way back and say, you got to listen to your body. Yeah. So, and even dumb butts like myself who are very educated cannot listen to their body. In my first pregnancy, I was doing my own pregnancy project that I made <laughs> and I'm like doing lunges and I did whatever, 15 on one side, 20 on one side. And then I go to do the other side. I'm like, oh, this feels a little weird in my pubic bone. You know, I'm like, well, I only got five left. And I just powered through and it was dumb, dumb. And mm. I had to recover from that strain for like a whole month mm. because I was being a dumb butt. So don't be a dumb butt. <laughs> Listen to your body. Yeah. Reps are all suggestive. So yes. if someone's like, do 20 reps of this. It's just suggestive. Oh, absolutely. Listen yeah. to your body. Um, and then my other advice is if you're going to start anything, I'm not one of those that's like, don't start anything new when you're pregnant. I'm like, well, what if you weren't moving at all, you know, and oh, then you want to, anyway, yeah. start slow. So mm. if you are getting into walking, walk for five minutes and mm. then walk for five minutes, pushing your kids and then walk for five minutes, pushing your kids going at a faster pace and mm. then, you know, do it up a hill and you're just gradually adding either resistance or intensity or something like that yeah so I know I think it's um so cool how much our bodies crave movement yeah and how resilient we are Mm -hmm. like humans are capable of so much more than we think yeah and it's so hard because we live in a society that pushes us towards sitting a lot and towards technology use and towards all of the things that aren't necessarily going to be as beneficial as what our bodies (laughs) right physiologically need yeah (laughs) and so um yeah that that's good to know about the whole pregnancy thing of it's okay to start slow even if you haven't done things before because that was like a big thing for me in my first is I hadn't been working out before I got pregnant so I felt like I can't Mm -hmm. work out during my pregnancy and that was not the best pregnancy (laughs) And my second pregnancy was so much better mm. because I was moving and I was taking care of myself. And granted, I was supported by a provider, a provider who was very much like, you are completely an autonomous person and I'm just here to support that. And that was great. So yeah. gr- if you can have a provider like that. Right. Um, but yeah, that's really great. That's really yeah. great advice. Um, so and then one more question I have. I know your focus isn't men and you mentioned that earlier. Right, right, right. But as wives... <laughs> <laughs> We're typically the ones pushing our husbands. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> towards medical yeah. care in general. Yeah. Um, I'm my husband is personally one that I would have to literally drag his almost dead body to an ER <laughs> just to get him to go. Um, but in general, is there any kind of like, uh, if there's general issues that sure. kind of come up that you would say, hey, you know, honey, maybe it's time to go see a pelvic floor therapist. Yeah. Um, 
what does that look like? And then kids too. Is yeah. that ever, is there ever a space for kids sure. to receive that? Sure. I'm thinking kind of maybe along like the tongue tie tension, mm. toe walking type of like symptoms that I've seen that come up on social media a lot lately. So I yeah. feel like that's top of mind for me sure. personally. Sure. Yeah. Let's address kids real quick. Yeah. Um, so I actually used to work in pediatrics, but that's a whole, n- so there's pediatric therapy mm-hmm. and then there's pediatric pelvic health therapy. And those are very different. So okay. like pediatric therapy, you're looking at stuff like toe walking mm-hmm. and can they run? Can they throw a ball with one hand? You know, can they, do they have any sensory issues? Th- mm-hmm. That's kind of what pelvic floor therapy, sorry, pediatric, pediatric. therapy okay. is looking at. Pediatric pelvic floor therapy is looking a little bit different. It's looking for things like constipation, um, Mm. uh, bowel avoidance, urine issues. So maybe they can't hold their bladder or they hold their bladder too much Mm. or... And again, I want to be careful because this isn't my field of study. So Mm -hmm. there's probably some other things out there that I just am not super aware of. And also pediatric pelvic health is an up and coming field. So there isn't that much about it but with kids especially you're looking at bowel and bladder okay okay gotcha. um for men there's a lot of overlap with women so okay. um back pain that's unresolved can be pelvic floor related men can get diastasis i don't mm. know if you know this so I like that ab that. separation yeah i've treated two, i don't treat a lot of men but mm-hmm. two of the men i've worked with had diastasis where okay. They, their core is just shut. Like one of them had a very large beer belly. Mm, okay. It wasn't actually from beer, but it just looked like a beer yeah, belly. Yeah. And his back was so tight and his core was not being used at all. Mm. Um, and then I also had a very fit man who was weightlifting and had a huge separation and would get coning and doming mm. because just didn't know how to use his core well. Mm, yeah. So that's um, something that maybe even just a traditional physical therapist can help with, Mm -hmm. but pelvic floor therapist can help with as well. And then getting more specifically, uh, they also have overlaps in if there's any sort of um, anal issues like hemorrhoids, chronic constipation, Mm -hmm. having to strain to poop, um, any discomfort with like anal sexual activity that goes for men and women. Mm -hmm. And then urinary stuff is similar. So if your husband... um, if your husband has to pee all the time or sits on the toilet to poop for like more than 10 or 15 minutes at a time, that's maybe (laughs) something to think about. You have all these jokes about the men who like come home and escape to the bathroom, you know, for 30 minutes. Like if he's just sitting there and hiding out, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But if he's trying to poop that whole time and feels like he needs 10, 15 minutes to poop, that might be a pelvic floor therapy situation. Yeah. Erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, penile pain. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, sometimes the penis, the penis is made of muscles that run alongside it, and sometimes mm-hmm. they can get contracted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be painful for a man. I'm trying to think. Prolapse. Men can get prolapse where their okay. organs feel like, of course, they don't have a vagina, right? Mm-hmm. So it feels like it's coming into their rectum. Mm. They feel that could, anyway, maybe have to do with um sometimes that's a that affects like a man who pees and then stands up after he pees or like walks away from the toilet and like starts peeing he's like wait I thought I was done peeing mm, that yeah anyway things like that I've kind of word vomited at you no that's Does totally that fine no <laughs> that no sense. literally I've seen so much about women in pelvic floor but I'm yeah. like men have pelvic floors too so right. like is that ever <laughs> yeah 
Like, surely that has to be a thing. Right. <laughs> so that's Men's good to know. Men's pelvic floors don't go through as much trauma because they mm-hmm. don't birth yeah. babies. So that's why it's not it doesn't come up as often Mm, and then also there's a lot more medicinal research for men than there is women so a lot like Mm. um if a man has uh erection issues he's going to go to medicine first Mm -hmm. as opposed to a conservative therapy first Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of research for men because that's where the money is um any sort of like sexual like viagra you know there's just Mm -hmm. so much money there Mm -hmm. so it's easily more easily accessible yeah um but yeah there's a lot of need for pelvic floor therapy and male the male world okay that's good to know Mm -hmm. so yeah it's really i'm glad we were able to have this conversation to know there's more to pelvic floor therapy than just kegels (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh very rarely is the answer kegels it is so rarely the answer like see that's so good to know because i feel like literally so much before i really haven't started seeing this content until this year oh yeah and i feel like really before that it was all just like are you doing your kegels Kegels. and yeah yeah that's a little stressful yeah it's not it really uh, and ca- carrying a weight in your vagina all day long is not the answer yes, please don't too. hold something in your vagina for really long periods of time you know it just just don't do it just don't do it I just <laughs> have so <laughs> I have so many like things I've heard people do and hear from their physicians or on the internet and I'm just like oh no yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Hey, unless it works for you, you yeah. know, if holding a jade egg in your vagina works for you, yeah. get it, girl. Like, get yeah. it. Yeah. No, it's so hard to weed through all of the advice on what is good and what is not. Yeah. But it's good to know that there's providers out there that will talk about it all. Sure. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Anything that you wish people knew? I know we've talked about a lot of different things. No, <laughs> I know. I think, um, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, be curious yeah and uh, be creative I think a lot of us are operating not in our authentic selves so we're mm-hmm. operating out of out of a sense of like fear or um, overwhelm and we just feel like we have to do all the right things and know all the right things and mm-hmm. if you just take a step back just be curious like mm-hmm. I wonder what would happen if I went to see a pelvic floor therapist? I wonder what yeah. would happen if I asked my mom if she has prolapse. I mm. wonder what would happen if I told my OB that I want to help him pull my baby out during my plan C-section. You mm-hmm. know, like I wonder what would happen. Yeah. So just being a little bit more curious will take the edge off of a lot of situations. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. So where can people find you? Yeah. Do you do any online uh, like work sure. or is it all in person? No, no, it's not okay. all in person. So we are somewhat active on social media. Okay. And, uh, I mean, every now and then I'm like, <laughs> I'll post for like five days straight and then you won't hear from me for a month. So yeah, whatever. that's okay. Um, we're on Instagram, so okay. plus one pelvic health. I think we've Is already, that be cha- okay. I think we've already changed it on Instagram okay, and gotcha. then we're in the middle of, um, changing it elsewhere. Okay. But plus one pelvic health on Instagram is where we are. You can, our website right now is plus one PT.net. Is that going to be changing? It will. Okay. So I'm sorry. This is like, you caught us in the middle no, of everything. Totally fine. So we'll I can update, update the links. show notes yep. or whatever yeah. Yeah, as definitely. we, as we go right yeah. now, it's plus one PT.net. Yeah. It'll eventually be plus one, um, 
plusonepelvichealth.com is what it is or okay. what we bought. We just haven't changed the domains yet. Okay. So, but you can find us online. We have a great email list. So okay, where cool. we send out a lot of free content, which is nice. So if you want to get on that, that's a great, a great place to stay connected. Okay. We see people in person in the Spring Hill Franklin area, in our offices, in their houses. We do um, virtual care as well. So okay. basically, if you want help and you're not sure if we can help you through like our online programs or anything, um, the best thing to do is email or call and mm -hmm. just be like, hey, here's my situation. What can I do? What are my choices? And we can help you find a good fit or refer you to something that might be a better fit. Like, hey, our, our program's not right for you, but... My friend's making this program online and that's probably going to be a better fit or, okay. you know, that's just awesome. kind of discussing your options. Last thing is you're never bothering us. We're obsessed with what we do if you can't tell. And so it is a ministry for us, meaning um, we don't necessarily trade time for money. So like just ask the question, you know, mm -hmm. if it needs to be a full on appointment, I'll let you know that I'm totally fine maintaining boundaries that yeah. need to happen. But ask the question if you need help we'd be happy to send you resources or whatever awesome okay yeah. awesome great thank you well thank you so much for yeah. coming on and just super big honor i'm yeah. super excited about this thank podcast. you i'm really really excited um i just appreciate you taking the time to share yeah. so much um yeah this is really special thank you yeah thanks Ray. um so thank you for listening like subscribe follow all the in-between mama stuff and uh yeah i'll be back soon <laughs>